0: We let's see where that go. Oh, there it is. Stop right. All right. We are live from the center of the earth. Uh what, what's going on, y'all? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Trap House Ted. Uh, tonight, tonight's been a long time coming. I've I've got a really special guest uh here. He's a he's a veteran author of The Glass Factory, and maybe the kindest person you'll meet on the internet, and arguably the <laughs> and arguably the last great man of the American West. It's my pleasure to introduce to you, Mr. Braxton McCoy. What's going on, dude?
1: Well, well, things are good, but uh, I'm definitely not. Uh, most of that was the fluff. That's not true. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, no, most people are better at like almost everything than me. So, um,
0: ah, that, that, that's, yeah. high, that's highly up for debate. Uh, but C- citizen hush, the, re- the resident fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, here we are. long long time no see we were we were on for like four hours talking on zoom friday night
1: (laughs) yeah i learned a bunch of like nerd stuff it was awesome and actually i learned a lot about you that was really fun um because of course we're pals or whatever so but uh yeah it was cool to learn like a little bit of stuff about you too i know you're not ready to like divulge it but i was like man this guy's he's pretty cool you know he pretends to be like a nerd but he's pretty damn cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that story is like maybe two, two, three years away from breaking. But most of the folks, <laughs> actually, most of the folks who come on Trap then get, get like that purview into it just because it's like a safe space. But, um, that's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing that card close to my chest, but <laughs> like we talked about, yeah. but, it, but yeah. So th- th- thanks for coming on, dude. And, um, so I, I know you, I know you're you're already acclimated with how this uh, little segment runs. My poor excuse for a podcast because I can't have <laughs> one without adult supervision. Um, but yeah, so basically the rules of engagement here is largely like it's not confined to ten questions. I just use the ten questions as kind of like the foundation and we can we can go on tangents dude like on friday night we 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 went on many many <laughs> tangents together. we
1: were supposed to be on for 45 minutes end up four <laughs> hours <laughs> it and was, then, yeah it, it was, was a good
0: it was a good time but yeah feel for, if any of us like uh like this is this is your platform to really just kind of talk talk to folks and for
1: yeah send me yeah. that yeah yeah send me that password and uh, that login and <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah, just to fast track the YouTube demonetization. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Never mind. I don't want it. I'm gonna actually. I'll take yours and I'll just blow it up as I blow mine up. You know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> you, you actually
0: might be depending on depending on the content. Like I uh what was it if, if you were to if you were to hijack my youtube channel you might be the first cowboy that's ever been demonetized on youtube
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny it's like my kids watch like stuff you know like youtube stuff or whatever mm-hmm. and uh yeah after we talked i was like oh these boys are like this pretty smart you know putting that stuff out because it's like super child-friendly like how would it not be it's just like roping cows and starting colts and all kind of stuff so yeah i probably would be the first one but it would actually kind of be fitting be honest with you (laughs) because it's kind of (laughs) kind of goes
0: with the path you walk man
1: man. yeah it does unfortunately my mom would tell you that
0: (laughs) so let's go ahead and jump in Uh, so the uh, first question um this was actually uh there were multiple people who had questions about this and i kind of followed the debate i think it started a month ago maybe longer um but the people want to know what's the deal with sasquatch are are you hiding him (laughs) have have, have you ever seen him what's what's the truth like we we, we gotta we gotta settle this
1: (laughs) Okay, it's here's the thing with Sasquatch. I have people that I respect and love and stuff that believe in Sasquatch, and they'll all tell you this story about this thing that they found, you know. And these are like good, hardworking dudes of like my uncle who I love. I'm not gonna say his name because I got a couple of them, but I got an uncle that I love, and he's got a Squatch story that he tells me about. And like when he found this Squatch bed and stuff, and what usually happens is it's people who spend an adequate, well, it's not always, um, but like with the credible stories, what usually happens is someone who spent enough time out to like, know more, way more than the average person. And they seem like super credible, but it's still like a person who like doesn't know as much as maybe even they think that they know. So I got, okay. So this example, my uncle, he goes, <clears throat> I found I saw a weird thing, and then I found this squatch bed one time. And he starts telling me about how these trees was broke off, you know, like about yay high. And they was broke off and, like, kind of piled into sort of a bed-looking shape, you know. Well, guess what? Black bears do that. And a lot of people don't know that because they don't get around a lot of bears, you know. So he's, like, has this in his head where like this is a crazy thing he's like oh you i've been around black bears my whole life well yeah i mean you sort of have like you've been in black bear territory but you've never like spent a lot of time around black bears so you don't even know like what they do you know what i mean or they'll find like a tree that's like barked you know mm-hmm. it's been barked in like this well bears will mark black bears will mark their territory like that and grizzlies will do a similar thing sometimes too, where they'll go around, like they'll say, Hey, this here is my territory. And they'll find like a, a white bark pine or like a lodgepole pine. Um, and the, it'll be like maybe, I don't know, like a five inch circumference tree. And they'll break it off as tall as they can break it off with their jaws to like show the other bears like this this is how big i am you know and they'll make like a perimeter or whatever well to someone who's not around that stuff it goes whoa you know they start to think like whoa that's weird like why Why would a bear do that you know but they do like it's like their thing you know so they'll add all these little pieces in to their little like squash fantasy you know and uh it's just like basically i guess what i'm driving at here is everything usually almost every time. When I hear, you know, this is my, you know, X squatch evidence, it's always super easy to, like, discount, like, yeah. you know, just debunk, I guess. And then sometimes people will send me pictures, and these are not, like, dumb people, right? But they'll send me pictures, and be like, here's a track in the snow, why don't you explain that track? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. Have you ever looked at the hind foot of a bear? It's like <laughs> that's what it looks like, dude. Like that's what you, you just sent me. Like, well, where's the claws? It's like, bro, okay. like take go outside and stick your hand in the snow and shove it down deep, you know? Just do that. And then come back in like two weeks and look at it and see what it looks like. And then maybe you'll like have a better. So anyway, I guess it comes from I have all of these every time someone sends me this evidence, it's always like stupid evidence. And it's like I'll never be rude to them because I understand where they're coming from. But it's like evidence that's sort of like majorly uninformed. Mm -hmm. And then tack on to that, that I've spent like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours hours out there by myself, like hours and hours. And I've never seen anything that made me think there was like a squatch you know? Yeah. Like, like I've just never run into this thing. And then, you know, people say like bones, you know, this is one of my favorites. You like, well, have you ever run into bear bones? Like, yeah, I've got literally, (laughs) I literally have pictures on my, like, I find them every year, dude. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Bears, bears, bears die too. (laughs) Yeah. And it turns out that if you spend enough time out there and yeah, you're not, it's, it, you got to spend a lot of time to run into stuff like that. That's true. And you got to be off trails, you know, but yeah, you're going to run into stuff like that. And so sometimes I'll tell people like, um, bro, I, I know where I can go find fish fossils on the top of the mountain. I don't know how old they are because I'm not like a geologist, but they're pretty gosh darn old and I can go pick fish fossils at like 7,000 feet you know, or maybe even higher, 9,000 feet. There's one spot I know of. I don't want to tell you where it's at, but there's one spot I know of that I can go find fish fossils all day long that are at roughly 9,000 feet. Jeez. I can find that, but I can't find any Squatch evidence. Like, not anywhere. And some people say some silly stuff like, um, well, that's because they bury their dead. Well, guess what, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> So every year, like, let me just put it out. So every year in those steep areas, what happens is, especially if it depends on the the winter, right, but there's just avalanches going over and over and over again. So the the soil is really unstable. So there's no such thing as like ancient soil outside of like certain pockets, you know? So this idea that burying something was going to somehow hide it or whatever, it doesn't I mean, unless you went out in the flat and buried it out in the flat. And then if you did that, like you're going to have a trail of evidence. Like, okay, we, every once in a while we have a grizzly will go through like this one certain area and someone hears about it every time. And this this one certain area should not have any grizzlies in it. And someone hears about it every time, whether it's a track or you know maybe even saw the bear but -hmm. it's usually like a track or you know saw some piece of evidence because like grizzlies they'll clean their claws on pine trees you know they'll reach up and you know when they eat on something or whatever their claws get dirty they'll clean them out and it looks like they're like you know being nasty or whatever but all all they're doing is clean their stuff out so you'll find like some evidence or whatever this bear and then people start looking or whatever well well squatch just like it's never anything you know what i mean like it's i don't know like put it like this i my job a lot of times is to look for bulls like really big bulls Mm -hmm. there's a lot of elk around but finding like a really big bull is hard thing to do You know, you, you know, you spend a bunch of time looking for sign and all this stuff and you find that one bull and then keeping a hold of that bull is sort of hard, but it's easier than people think. Like if you know what you're doing, you know what I mean? And now you're picking one animal out of a group of a whole bunch of animals and you can, I can do that, but like no squatch, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to say it's like, I don't know, man. There's no Squatch and people who think that there's a Squatch are dorks and they're nerds and they're afraid of the dark and they want to like justify their fear of the dark because they put their tent up and they're like, well, I'm, they're like rationalizing their fear away. You know, mm-hmm. there could be this very scary, very, I also love that Squatch is like this uh, humanoid. He's not yeah. even a, you know, he's not even like a, an actual ape. He's a very human ape, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. It just feels like, rationalizing their stuff and i did tech put you up to this Does this come from tech oh uh, yeah he was one of them and then
0: we have i think there were like three or four other people who asked questions I about sasquatch I, I just threw them all together
1: um there is no Squatch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tonight we have squatched the sasquatch myth yeah, um one. and yeah. also that that actually leads me to another question that i had so you do you do a lot of, or you used to do a lot of guiding right have, mm-hmm. have you ever had someone reach out to you wanting to go on a
1: sasquatch specific hunt? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, until I started talking crap about squats on Twitter, and then I do get weird DMs from people now, <laughs> like they, they're like, "I want to show you my squatch evidence. All you gotta do is come up to, you know, X place or whatever, Market Target Market Street, those. San Francisco." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's absolutely absurd. And they're like, well, maybe what you don't understand is that Squatch lives in this part of the country. It's like, okay, well, maybe it does because I haven't been there. So you know, I can't speak to that little corner of Oklahoma. And maybe that's where he lives. But you know, he don't live here. <laughs> Let me put it <laughs> like that. <laughs> so <laughs> and when I say here, I mean like the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. He's not here. Dude, I will go, I will go through, let me, let me just put I will go through and I will hike into some place that I think like, you know, you have that feeling like, man, no one's been here ever. Maybe Mm -hmm. if they have, it's been a long time ago, you know, and I'll get way back into something and I'll sit down and try to eat lunch. And you know, it's always there like a sardine can or a freaking, (laughs) uh, you'll find like a random bullet you know, when you start looking around or a casing, you know, you'll find like a random casing from like a two seventy from like 1964 or some like, it, it, there's always been someone there before, even though you think they have. had, you know, a,
0: a six, five Creedmoor casing from, <laughs> fr- from the Cambrian
1: explosion. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay. Now that's one thing you won't find a six, five Creedmoor in a real hard place because most of those dudes are nerds and they like, they think they're cool when they hunt super low stuff. Shots fired. That's <laughs> what it is. They usually have they have man bones,
0: man bones, Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Well, I, super skinny calves.
0: I've, I've I've got a six five creed more, and I used to have a man buns. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, well, there you go. The, the proof is in the pudding. I there don't have go. one, but I actually kind of want one. They, they look cool.
0: They look cool before uh, they became mainstream. Like most things, all oh, right. Good round. Let me get a, uh, let me get a, uh, the, Oh, I meant man buns. Um, so we, we're going up on the question too. Now that we've squashed the Sasquatch myth, uh, my good friend, I'm sure, you know, him too, uh, high-tech redneck, uh, I think his handle is root and tootin. He wants to know, this is getting a little more serious. What he wants to know what it's like to live by your principles and what advice do you have for others to live by their principles? Man, that, that, that just killed the vibe. Like we were just making jokes about <laughs>
1: Six <five> cream more guys. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to learn how to do it. I I knew a few men that did it. My grandpa did it. Um, you know, I'm trying. I'm, I I think I'm like a principal dish man, but I'm I'm learning how to look. Like I'm I'm working at that. So I guess I don't. I try. I try. And I guess, let me put it like this. Um, It's giving up on something uh, that would be lucrative, but would like sacrifice you to do it, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. So I have that part down, but I don't have a lot of the other parts down. So I guess I'm not like really the man to answer the question. I try, but I'm not there yet. Um, I'm trying, you know, Mm and the first thing you'd have to have is principles that are codified and i think i've got that and that takes work by the way to get to that point you know
0: i i mean i've i've known you for a while now man and like one thing that is abundantly clear is you're incredibly humble and uh, when when people particularly start talking about characteristic traits like having principles and being a man or a person of principle like i've always i've always thought like things like that are words you let other people describe you by versus words you describe yourself by and you you it, i i i admire that a lot about you because there are a lot of great things that myself and others have said about you and like you're you, you you've lived this story bro and um <laughs> a, a, a lot a lot of folks a lot of folks uh wouldn't wouldn't take as humble of an approach as you do um and i think that the fact that you're not tempted to uh kind of toot your own horn and put yourself up on a pedestal like a lot of other folks we've seen um really speaks to your credit as well as your principles so i mean i i i I think it's a really powerful um characteristic trait you have and i i I admire it a lot about you i know many thousands of other people do too
1: Well, it, thank you.
0: Is this the I'll part keep
1: trying. Is this the part
0: where, is this the part where we're supposed to kiss? I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like I, I hear that and I just think about all the times I fail every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, well, I, I appreciate that, but you you know. Yeah, you are you, an example, bro, whether you want it, whether
0: you're trying to be or not. Um All right, qu- question number 3. This one this one might be a little more fun. And it's coming from FKA Aaron on Twitter. Uh, Aaron wants to know, what are Braxton's top 10 list of books or experiences he would recommend for parents of sons becoming men? Now, in the interest of time, and also because I don't want to have to like sit here and make you think of 10 books or experiences. (laughs) Let's let's round that down to three.
1: (laughs) Okay. I think that every boy, should read the book The Crossing. Uh, I'm writing that down. Yeah. I I think that's a useful book for any boy. It's you know it's the middle of the border trilogy from Cormac McCarthy, but it's it's a really good. I think it. Yeah, it's just I I think that's a book that every boy should read. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of books that I think are useful, but then another one that I do think is useful, but it, it's going to depend a lot on the boy um but i do think is useful is uh another mccarthy book um blood meridian oh, yeah it's it, it, yeah it's it's hard it, it definitely that book affected me on levels that i wasn't expecting it to you know i read it later in life um honestly i'm still kind of processing that book um but yeah so that would be one um and then I guess it depends a lot on the boy, right? Uh, and where he's at. Like some somebody, you could learn a lot from somebody like Michael Jordan, you know? Uh, I forget the name of his autobiography, but I, I read that years ago. And, you know, you could learn a lot even from that, you know? Uh, but so far as experiences go, I do think that everybody should be put in a very uncomfortable position and learn, like just learn how, their body and mind can really like just learn the like get closer to the limits of that that body and mind, you know. So I think like a gym, like say you're in a city or something. Um, Brazil, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is great. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I think it's it's awesome, but it's it's more of a gentle thing. I mean, it does. I mean, it's it's not always gentle, right? But mm-hmm. like the idea behind it is sort of like the gentle you know, art, but, you know, you're learning how to, you could do whatever you want Like you could actually end a person's life with, with BJJ, but I just mean like getting into a gym. And I do think that learning how to be punched in the, fa- in, in the face and that you can survive that. And like, you're not going to die. even if somebody hits you really hard, you know, I think that's an experience that every boy should have, no matter where he's at, like whether he's in the city or the country yeah so I mean there's a million I, I shouldn't say a million there's a there's a handful I would recommend above that but I do think that those would be three great places to start yeah
0: yeah I totally agree so uh, C- Cormac McCarthy um, one of one of the first things I thought about when a your your book was delivered to my house in Amazon uh, through Amazon <laughs> and then uh, the first time first time we like talked one-on-one I was like this dude could be a character in a Cormac McCarthy book <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and not, not the one you're thinking of in Blood Meridian. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my, my friend Grandpa is the one that turned me on to that book. Like, I mean, I knew of the book, but like forced me book. into reading it. Yeah. It is a great book. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, All the Pretty Horses was – I probably read that book 30 times, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do think that The Crossing is more – you know, All the Pretty Horses is very – like if you if you grew up specifically on a horse ranch, um, like I did that book, there's a lot of profundity in there. Mm-hmm. But the the crossing is more like it's just deeper for just anyone, you know, particularly that scene at the broke down church in the middle of Mesco, you know. So yeah, it's a book that everybody should read. It's yeah. like every every man should read.
0: And and getting punched in the face, like what you're talking about, like being able to like shake that off and be like, okay, that happened. Now what? I survived like that's that that's a that's a lesson like that was forced on me Well, I wouldn't say for that's that's too dramatic but like so with ocean Mexican knife fighting and stuff like one of the first <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the first things you learn in Filipino knife fighting is accept that you're gonna get cut you're going to get cut and it's gonna be messy um and like even getting cut the first time like um you, you don't you like you you you, there's a sharp pain but like you move past it and like it hurts more after the fact than it does like in the moment just like getting punched in, i've been punched in the face many times um <laughs> but yeah I, I i totally totally agree with that um let's see net question number four we've got uh this this one's coming from thoramir one our, our buddy back on twitter he wants to know what does Braxton think of tactical onesies, particularly those of the Snorlax variety? I
1: mean, that, that's your
0: thing. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think he's trying to get you to talk shit about <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean,
1: whatever, man. As long as you're uh, staying fit, fine. Like, I, I mean, the thing about all this, I'm not in a position to give anyone tactical advice. Right. So like, I try to, but don't be fat. That's one thing I'm, I'm willing to go out on a limb on this one. <laughs> like, so I think where, whatever you thin. want, but just don't be fat.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't actually become a snorlax. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. Next one we've got coming in hot from our friend Midwest Toad. Uh, he wants to know what's your favorite cut of beef and how does uh, he like it cooked? So I, I feel like this might be a wormhole. So let, 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 let's learn something.
1: Depends on what we want, man. Like, are we talking steaks? Cause if we're talking steaks, then it's ribeye all day. And it's rare, but it's like that between medium rare and rare. Like sometimes people try to flex on the rare thing. Like I love rare, rare meat, but they'll try to flex on it. It's like, Oh, I eat rare meat. It's like, come on, man, at least cook it. But you know, like at least warm it up, right? So somewhere less than medium rare, because the other thing you get is a lot of people doing like they call medium rare. It's like, man, you're cooking like it's too, it's too cooked. So somewhere between the two, you know, um, yeah. So if you're talking steaks, that's what I would say. But then it's like we're talking tacos, because if we're talking tacos, then it's like uh, tongue all day long. Oh like, hell yeah! All day. <laughs> You know, <laughs> all freaking day long. Um, on yeah, behalf, man, I, on, on, behalf
0: on. on behalf of the Ocean Mexican delegation, I now grant <laughs> Braxton
1: McCoy honorary <laughs> Ocean Mexican status. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, it just depends on what you want. I mean, there's no one great cut of beef. It just it depends on what you're doing with it. Um, there are, you know, you, you just have to learn how to utilize the the animal. Uh, I love a good roast on Sunday, you know. Um Making a nice Sunday roast and some nice mashed potatoes and stuff like that's pretty cool too. Sourdough, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it just depends on what you're looking for. But yeah, if we're talking steaks, it's ribeye. Anyone who says it's not ribeye is lying to you because mm-hmm. ribeye is prime rib that wasn't turned into a big old chunk of stuff. You know, it's like a cut down prime rib. That's the best steak. And then the best taco meat is tongue. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's what I would say. I mean, there's a whole bunch of cuts in there. Like when I break them down, I think about think about it all the time. But yeah, and then like flank steaks, a lot of people will try to do the flank steak thing, but that's all. Like all that should just be ground. Just grind it up because then there's a lot of great. You know, ground beef tacos are great too. Like there's no reason to try to play this game where you cube up a flakes a flank steak. Forget that. You know, grind that and just make a ground beef taco. You know, so say yeah. like that
0: now as far as for going back to the ribeye, uh, are are you a salt, pepper, oil only guy, or how how do yeah. you season it? Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, Damn. yeah, no, all day. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to put like a little horseradish on the side, and you you know you want to be a nerd, and get the, <laughs> okay, then fine. Like I'm not gonna criticize you for that, but it's lame. Like it's I, not necessary.
0: I, I the the fact that I uh, that your uh, your preference is the same as mine. Um, I, I may have recovered half of a point from the 6.5 Creedmoor ad- admission earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the man
1: bun that was the real problem. I don't care what round you shoot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anyone who wears their hair like that and isn't a samurai should be made fun of for the yeah. rest of their life. So like, when I
0: when I had one, there was, the, the word man bun didn't really exist. And so I just called it a samurai bun. That's what I called it. Um, okay. So may, may, maybe I get a quarter point.
1: <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs>
0: all right and, and then uh for question six we've got it from uh i know i'm pretty sure he's a mutual i don't know how to pronounce his handle whether it's spanish or if it's uh english but it's either on vaca or on vaca uh but he wants to know mm. so you, you you and grandpa recently went on a wolf hunt right we did uh so our man over here, he wants to know if you and Grandpa ever found any wolves to dance with.
1: Yeah, we well I hate that movie, but um <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. We uh no, we didn't. We were in definitely like on wolves, but well, I shouldn't say on wolves. We were in the right place or whatever. The uh the one place that we went out, uh we run into another guy that was out there that I know um we they had a they had a elk kill in the valley that we were trying to get into but it was tough so this time of year this is the thing i think a lot of people don't understand in order to just get even into the mountain right now you've got to cross uh at least a mile and a half two miles or so of valley four and that valley four you have to snowshoe across it and that valley is you know two and a half feet of snow you know so it's it's tough just to even get to the base of the mountain then you gotta start so that was that was a big part of our issues like, takes a lot of work it's a lot of work and Absolutely. like everyone thinks they can you know are ready for it and get it or whatever but it's it's almost impossible to understand until you start you know and then you know you have to add in into that you're starting at like if you're like where we're at, you know, your your valley floor starting at like sixty five, seven thousand feet, you know, 7,000. So you're, you you got to factor in elevation, and then you know it's hard. It's really really hard, and
0: you know so, so dr- drilling into that uh one thing i was curious about and i know a lot of folks um a lot of folks who are going to be listening and don't know anything about hunting wolves myself included uh so like a one of the obvious questions that's going to pop up in the comments i'm sure is why hunt wolves um so I, i'd love to hear your take on that and then also like b for this is more my uh curiosity is like is, is hunting wolves a spot and stock type game or do you use like any types of callers as well? Or, uh, w- what's that process look like?
1: So we can't use electronic calls where I live. Um, so I hand call everything. Um, so yeah, but, but you do, I do call a lot, but it's, it's better. Like you have to find, you got to find a track and start on track and then start calling. Otherwise you're just calling mm-hmm. at nothing. Right. So, but yes, I do call a lot. Um, and then why? Well, um, the area that we were at, a good friend of mine has a ranch right there, and they lost forty cab or forty cows, forty cattle, cows and calves, um, just last year to wolves. You know? So that's a good reason to, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, um, you know. And then there's okay. So people will do this. So I'm just going to tell them. Yes. Okay. There's a depredation money that gets paid, right? From the state and like cattleman's association and stuff. But guess what it turns out to be once that pool is like spread out a couple years ago, when they got paid out on those, it was $20 per head. So yeah. Okay. I guess they got money from the state, but it's almost like a slap in the face because every, every cow, cattle every individual cow that got killed or whatever um you know I mean you're talking it depends on which got killed and how old they were and that kind of stuff but you know still it's at least a thousand dollars per head but it's yeah. probably quite a lot more and then it's like however much that that cow or well if it's a steer then but anyway you get it like individually it's if it's a cow or a heifer, it's what it would have produced through the rest of its life too. You have to tag on, you know, it's a business. So every time one of those dies, you know, this, let's say a heifer calf gets killed. Well, she would have produced for at least eight years and maybe even 10, maybe even a little longer, but probably at least eight years. So it's every offspring of her all the way through. So, you yeah. know, not, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crushing for a rant it's like it's a big problem yeah cattle cattle ain't cheap
0: and uh because i i know because i've had to pay for one
1: (laughs) (laughs) right yeah Um, yeah exactly
0: and yeah this is something we talked about friday night too about like predator hunting because i i hunt coyotes also i i don't know some people consider hogs predators i don't really consider them predators they're 99 percent um vegetarian i believe if if you exclude insects but uh like predator control I'd, i'd love to hear your thoughts on that like what that's like in your corner of the world because like a lot of folks particularly in cities like they think of it they think of just like their myopic perspective of why would why would you go out and shoot a coyote citizen hush like that's that's a terrible thing and then i get i get all sorts of uh, flack for anything on that nature and um, I, i'd love i'd love to hear the perspective of someone who lives this day to day like not not just like the uh, like what the importance i think of keeping keeping an ecosystem in balance and having that uh, natural pressure
1: you have to understand right from the jump that there is no natural ecosystem left. There is none. There is none. And everyone who gets on me about this is they're just, I'm sorry, they just don't understand. Everywhere we have our cities, agricultural land, all that, that is where these animals would not just winter, but lived. Like think of when Lewis and Clark came across the Bitterroot and were saved by the Nez Perce, which is just like, 70-ish miles north of where I'm at, something like that. Um, they almost starved to death. They were eating their own colts as they crossed them because there is no animals up there outside of like mountain goats and a handful of sheep, but mostly just mountain goats, you know? Mm-hmm. So these game animals were plains animals, like almost all of them. They were river bottoms, plains animals. Well, we occupy the river bottoms and the plains. So we have shoved these animals into the mountains and pretended as if that's a natural ecosystem. It's not a natural ecosystem. It never has been a natural ecosystem. So the idea that we are preserving something that's natural is just silly. It's just incorrect. It's just not true. Yeah. So now you've, like if you like if you accept all of that, which would be ridiculous not to, if you accept all of that, then you understand that you're already playing a role whether you want to or not, just your mere existence on this planet is playing a role in uh, the way these, you know, in the everyday, like the ecosystem itself, like you you can't opt out, you're part of it, you Mm -hmm. know? So then you have to accept that predator control is like a real thing. And you'll see people say, well, when we stop doing, you know, when we introduce wolves, into Yellowstone, it cleaned up the river because it got less elk. You know, it uh, reduced the elk herd um to less elk, and so we look at look at what wolf recovery in Yellowstone, you know, looked like. Well, yeah, okay, but at the time when the elk were like something like seven hundred thousand elk in just Yellowstone National Park, it was yeah, there's way too many. It like <laughs> duh, like it's just yeah, that's a ridiculous amount of elk, and because. It's the small valleys that will, uh, you know, sort of support them through the winter. So yeah, it's like a ridiculous amount of elk, but it wasn't exactly the wolves that, okay, yes, the wolves were the mechanism that reduced, you know, the elk herd. And so it looks like this is this great beneficial thing. And it was, I guess, it was not, I guess it was beneficial, but we That doesn't mean that you have to use that same mechanism throughout the rest of the entire country, because when you introduce that mechanism back, the wolves um, or grizzly bears or something, then now you have unnecessarily, you have um, human predator conflict for just like literally no reason. Like Colorado is doing this right now. Yeah. There's just no, there's just no reason to do this. Um, we have been using humans as a sort of predator, predator, a uh, regulatory predator, and it's worked for a long time, a very long time. So another thing, um, uh, elk in this elk used to occupy something like 90% of the states. You know, they were all over and they've been wiped out. Well, the only reason they've recovered in places like Kentucky or Pennsylvania or whatever is because hunters have put money into this, you know, Mm -hmm. and have like made them recover, you know. Um, So, like, obviously, the human introducing the human predator in a very regulated sense has, you know, been objectively beneficial to this new modern ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You have to give up this idea that they're that you're somehow going to get back to this old. It's never going to happen. It's like it's not real. Even Yellowstone's fake cell. It's not Yellowstone's <laughs> not real. Like it's not real. It's managed. You know, mm-hmm. there is no anyway. The closest you can get, like if you go up to like the North Slope of Alaska or something, then sure you're going to experience basically a natural, roughly natural ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When you go up there, like. My brother-in-law was up there just a couple of years ago. Like you might be up there for a week and not see a thing, you know? So you gotta remember too, like the herds are imbalanced the way they are. Like, like they're probably more than there should be even now because we're, you know. So anyway, you can't remove yourself from the ecosystem. So that that, in my opinion at least, like devastates the idea that somehow wolves are this balancing act because they're just not. Mm -hmm. like it's an additional pressure fine you want to introduce an additional pressure then fine but it's going to have to be regulated like the rest of it and if you don't then yeah you're going to run into problems for every species so um yeah i can't remember where we started but yeah that's where yeah that's why you have to shoot wolves you have to shoot wolves. you have to shoot wolves you You have have to. to wolves are not like coyotes they're not like um bears grizzlies even people make a lot more of grizzlies than is like legit mm-hmm. wolves are a totally different thing wolves will totally just kill stuff mm-hmm. they will just kill stuff because they like killing stuff yeah they will totally do that um and that
0: that's that's super interesting and i i know like on friday friday night we were talking about like Uh, What was the Frederick Hayek quote about Mm -hmm. uh, the curious task of economics is uh, to demonstrate to men how little they truly know about things they imagine they can design. And an ecosystem is an example of that. So like you've got you've got an economy where you have millions and billions of individuals uh, going after their own uh, uh, needs and wants. And then you create this thing called uh, an economy, whereas an ecosystem it's the same thing. and when you start introducing new variables that you think you can control and you can, uh, uh, what was it, uh, predict how it will behave, like you're, you're you're playing with dangerous shit you
1: can't take back. <laughs> yeah, th- no, that's exactly right. Like, let me give you an- another example. Um, in this whole Green New Deal thing, they're always talking about like, you know, uh, methane expulsion from cattle, right? It depends on which number you believe, Um, and I I tend to think that Dan Flores was probably right, so it's probably the the lesser number, but some people will say there was 60 million um, bison that traveled from all the way from Mexico all the way up to Alberta, you know, across the Great Plains. Well, we did, as a culture, eradicate those bison, and then, of course, we've worked to recover them in some places, but they're virtually, they're eradicated right but we replace those with cattle that we feed people with all the time so this idea that somehow um getting rid of uh cattle is like beneficial to the uh, environment forgets that there maybe used to be somewhere between 15 and 60 million buffalo that are bison you know if you're an american you call them buffalo but that traveled from, you know, it roamed the great plains. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, it's not just they're gone, they're replaced. Like, yeah, okay. Like, we could maybe try to play this Garden of Eden game where it's like, yeah, it would have been better to have not replaced them. Well, maybe, I don't know. Like, that's not it, the scenario we're in. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And people like eating beef. And so, like, blaming these uh blaming uh the increase in temperature global temperature on uh you know beef makes no sense if you you know add in that we probably had slightly less but roughly as many bison running across this country before but no one knows that so that is here the beef part and it's easy mm-hmm. to blame this culture but it's like well yeah but it's not these things are not happening in a vacuum right? yeah it's like, exactly um
0: R- yeah, r- and th- r- real life doesn't happen in a laboratory.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, okay, we killed off the buffalo. That wasn't great. I think buffalo are cool. I shot one before. I'd like, and I know that's probably the very Teddy Roseville let me say. Um, <laughs> they, but I, they are they are cool. I think they're neat, and you know, having more of them would be neat and all that. But like pretending as if that somehow restoring them. Would like rebalance things would just be dumb. It Mm -hmm. like it it makes no sense at all. Yeah, because now you have to explain to me what you do to ranches from, you know, or farms. Most of it's farms, by the way, farms from like South Dakota all the way to you know the panhandle, panhandle Texas. Like you got to explain to me what you do with that Mm -hmm. because like recovering the bison herd is what I hear all the time. Like how are you going to do that? They don't have the same land. Like it's gone. Yeah. So, and not only is it gone, but by the way, it feeds uh, most of the world. Like, it, it's not just us. Like, this is where these people drive me crazy. I'm sorry, I'm on a, um, I, I, no. I don't need to hijack your. No, no, we, this is what we're here for, bro. <laughs> bro, so they get on, on the, they live in their little bubbles in these cities, you know, especially the big metropolitans. Mm -hmm. you know, where they can go down to the whole foods or the bodega on the corner and get whatever they want. And they feel like, well, we could do with less food. You know, that's what they think. Ultimately, they don't say that, but they're thinking it and they're not exactly wrong. But what they don't think about is the grain, like the grain belt of America, the food that comes out of there is it's literally feeding the entire world. Mm -hmm. like, The entire And the most impoverished nations in the world are getting fed by this. So if you want to let's say you you like you go full authoritarian, like if AOC just had whatever she wanted, she could just have whatever she wanted, you know, and go full Kulak on (laughs) that grain belt. Our country would probably end up like surviving it. So she's not exactly wrong. It wouldn't be great, but it would probably survive. But you know who wouldn't? the poorest countries in the world and most of them by the way are in Africa mm-hmm. those people would starve to death by the millions by the millions they're they're living on you know anyway anyway like the, it, the bread that this country produces and the cereal I mean it's just yeah you know, and that's not even my wheelhouse but it's just like just look at the numbers you know yeah no and and then
0: like by proxy too like let's say uh, that situation you painted there where aoc gets her way um and inevitably what would end up happening is we would find some way to blame it on something else we did to justify more authoritarian
1: control (laughs) exactly yeah exactly and and then what you would end up with is because the main the main problem with communism is not exactly communism like like everyone so this is why when they say Uh, real communism has never been tried it's not accurate but like if if they were to say real communism has never been implemented then maybe that would be kind of true right like Mm. slightly true but it's technocracy at its root you know central planning you know it's like this idea that you know some technocrat knows how to do it best and if you would only let this technocrat run stuff then we could fix the entire world you know well, the problem is every time you try that, stuff goes super bad. Like people really die. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you tried that here, it wouldn't just happen here. It mm-hmm. would happen. This is this is what makes American communism more dangerous than any communism ever. Is like the USSR got dumb and did a bunch of dumb stuff, but it didn't affect the rest of the globe. Um, aside from, of course, world wars and all this stuff, but – like here, it would literally be people starving in, you know, South America and in Africa, just because some people thought they knew how to do better. Yeah, and that's without, I,
0: without any accountability, like central planners, I for, I think it's Nassim Taleb who says, I, I mix feelings about Nassim Taleb, but he uh, was like, um central bankers and central planners are the only folks uh, who can crash the plane on Friday and still have a job on Monday. Like Exactly. Like, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to we're going we're gonna to play uh, we're going to play God with the most important financial metric in the economy, interest rates. And um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just see what let's we'll see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. G- good luck to your savings. And like they're, 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 they've got zero, zero oversight and accountability for anything they do. So, yeah, you heard it here fuck them central planners
1: <laughs> yeah and that's that's why like when the right goes off on communists they're not exactly wrong but i'm uh, of course uh, preface uh very stupid horse trainer in idaho so like put that caveat <laughs> in there but, much, um, much smarter much smarter than your uh, average <laughs>
0: metropolitan
1: though <laughs> no i don't know about that but um when they go off on communists, it's like they're talking past each other because mm-hmm. the communists are sort of – or the non-communists, the, like the neoliberals that are being called communists are kind of right. Like I'm not a communist or whatever. But it's it's the, the worst element of communism is ac- actually the technocracy, and absolutely what we were doing or at least trending toward is technocracy. So like the right is identifying the, pro- the problem properly or they're identifying the right problem. But they're, you know, they're speaking the wrong language, perhaps, you know. Attacking symptoms versus underlying causes. Yeah. There you go. That's what I think. But also, I'm stupid and I get bucked off horses for money. So... Like, just keep, keep that in the back of your mind.
0: <laughs> and uh, I, I, oh, I, I endorse what you just said, but uh, about technocracy and everything, but also caveat that I drink Claude's hot sauce out of the bottle on, for <laughs> internet points.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: All right, man. I hope let's he's l- doing well, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Claude, big shout out to you, buddy. Uh, we're, we're all, we're all rooting for you um let's uh we're let's get to question seven and like don't don't don't, don't like throttle yourself man like we, we don't got a time limit here like I, I i like this uh i like being able to just dig into your brain like we we say we mentioned it a couple times but we stayed on on zoom the other night just chatting and like dude like that you 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 got a you got a lot of good ideas and uh really 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 uh a wealth of knowledge that i want to uh share with with the rest of my corner of the autistic 2a community <laughs> <laughs> so don't 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 worry about any time limits or anything or rap, go on as many rants as you want but uh steven steven sc off of twitter wants to know how
1: accurately does is that steven team... crowder uh no not steven crowder i, I thought s- he was kicked off of youtube no this is, is he still on twitter i'm teasing i'm teasing, teasing.
0: <laughs> yeah that's the Crowder, louder with crowder or whatever guy. yeah i think he was kicked off yeah but steven wants to know <laughs> how accurately does the series yellowstone portray life on a ranch besides the oh, rampant okay. murders and why hasn't <laughs> why why hasn't braxton done a guest appearance on the show yellowstone <laughs> bonus bonus points if you answer this with a straight face um <laughs> well i'm already <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> um okay i'll 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 let you all in on something um the majority of that show was filmed well i shouldn't say the a, a large portion of that show was filmed on this one certain ranch and actually the guy who owns that one certain ranch uh offered me a job last well i shouldn't say offered me a job has been thinking about offering me a job And we, we've been in contact. We've talked to each other or no. Okay. I've talked to the guy that works for the guy. Um, I'm just playing with, you know, I don't want to, um, yeah. So I might end up working on that place, uh, potentially part-time. He wants me to do full-time. I can't do full-time. Anyway. So I might even work on that place. Um, so that's a side, uh, None of that is accurate other than well, that's not true. So some parts are accurate, like the encroachment stuff is totally accurate. Um
0: what what's that for those who don't well I would say I
1: think like the spirit of encroachment, like the idea that you know they want to build this airport and you know, crush this place or whatever, you know, that part is totally true. Like that that's happening across the industry because again, technocracy um they have this idea that you know they can do more with less you know mm-hmm. so they they are to, like there is a, a lot of that happening all the time um but i heard this was someone else's thing but uh they described it as sopranos on a ranch and i think that's like probably the <laughs> the best way to describe it. so yeah a lot of that is total crap like it's just not true um and then specifically like the horse training stuff um yeah, I mean, he had a rope in his hand, but he like, <laughs> <laughs> like he was holding like, like the Honda. I'm I'm almost tempted to go to a different room and bring a rope to show you, but go for um, it, go for it, man. Yeah, I, so he was holding like the, he was holding like the. I'm trying to see if I had a rope in this room, but he was trying to hold like, anyway, like spin the rope. He's asking the horse to move. Like, what he's trying to do is there's a bunch anyway. So, he's trying to get early on, he's trying to get this horse moving and stuff. And anyway, he'd grab, like, so here's the anyway. He, so the, the Honda on a rope is, you know, so of course, you know, it's a bunch of coils and there's a knot tied, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that knot is the Honda, and then there's the like the mouth of it is like what we like when someone says Honda. They mean the actual mouth of that knot. Um, and then, uh, anyway, so you build your coils. And you need, like, a short spoke is, like, a good thing. Like, if you learn how to rope a shorter spoke, it's actually kind of better. But early on, it's a little hard to do it that way. But what he would do is choke up onto, like, if you watch it again, he's holding, like, on the Honda. Well, you can't even use a rope like this. Like, not even, like you can't. Even, like, yeah. So, there's lots of, like, major problems. Um, aside from just, you know, no one gets in a bunch of gunfights on ranch, like that's another <laughs> thing, you know, but like on the actual ranching side, um, like another thing they would do that no one else would notice is, I shouldn't say no one else, other people notice, but, uh, maybe the average person doesn't notice is they would show like cattle in this area or whatever. And sometimes it'd be like a Jersey cow and then sometimes it'd be like, uh, a, a coriani. um, and, like, there's just not how that works. Like, yeah. you know, like, these are totally, like, Koreanese are not beef cattle, you know? So, anyway, there's lots of problems. But I do like that they're trying to at least kind of mainstream, uh, you know, the the, the, the problem set that the small mm-hmm. rancher is feeling. And I don't think they even realize they're doing this because this is where Hollywood is uh, just always sucks. They always think that they're going to make a bad guy like they did. was, they did this with uh, what's that show with Ron Swanson uh, uh, parks and rec parks and rec. They, they tried, they always, they're actually like, they try to make this bad guy. That's sort of like half likable bad guy, mm-hmm. but it always turns out to be like everyone's favorite guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Cause so they're not like trying to do favors to this industry or whatever, but they do correctly diagnose problems. You know, so I think that's useful. And I think Parks and Rec did that because like Parks and Rec, they, they had the, like this. Uh, I don't want to get off on Parks and Rec, but I'm just oh, like the point.
0: Let's get off on Parks and Rec.
1: OK, well, <laughs> so they tried to Like, if you think of the Ron Swanson character, it was all these nerd Hollywood folks saying like, uh the uncle or dad or whatever that bugged him would be like this, this is how he would react to that or whatever, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and it turns out like he's everyone's favorite person, you know, but they're just stuck in their like Hollywood bubble so they don't understand like they're trying to write that guy is like not a good guy, like, but it just turns out he's the guy that people like, you know, yeah. Well, I think they they did that, again, with, like, Yellowstone. But they added in a lot of Hollywood dump stuff. Mm-hmm. But they did – I do think that they showed what happens to, like, the average, you know, rancher in the West right now. It's like one of the things that's happening is uh, people are trying to exit uh, these bigger places. So they're, like, picking off parcels and, like, they're driving – Uh, they're what they're doing they they might might not even think this but what they're doing is like land speculating so they're driving prices up but they have no know know how at all this is where it's technocracy again right but Mm -hmm. they're driving up land prices and the people who could afford to use that land to help like feed folks can't buy it anymore because some guy, let's say he's an engineer or some shit for, you know, Microsoft or IBM or something. <laughs> he just buys it. Cause he's like, well, I want it. Well, boy, that seems cheap or whatever. So he buys it, but then it goes to dirt and it's just useless. Can't do anything with. And then he sells it. He didn't lose anything. What does he care? <laughs> you know, he spent like, you know, he probably, he probably lost like $50,000 on the deal at the end of the day. Well, what it did was like drive the average person out. So I I do think that um or not just average person, but like drove the uh drove the person who knew how to use it out, you know. So I do think we're like they diagnosed the problem in the right way, but they didn't mean to. You yeah. Know? Like I think John Dutton was supposed to be like the bad guy of the show. Like I think it was I think that's his name, John Dutton, but the Kevin Costner character. Okay. I think he was supposed I- to come across. I haven't seen the show, so I don't know gotta about it. it. It's okay. Oh, it's you worth watch watching. It. Okay. Okay. It's, it's actually worth watching. Okay. And, and by the way, the first five episodes, I was like, this is the dumbest thing in the whole world. I was sitting there with my wife. I was just looking at her like, are you serious? Like in the, <laughs> it, it, like you know, in the of course, in the first episode, there's like this rope and a stud. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> but I battled through that. And then it turned into, like, I was feeling it and I could get... But anyway, so I think they were trying to make John Dutton the bad guy. And, uh, like, I don't know. If you watch that show and think John Dutton's a bad guy, I think we just live in different worlds, you know, because...
0: I'll give it, I'll give it a couple of watch I'll, I'll watch a couple episodes I I tr- just because like TV shows are such a big time sink I try to
1: restrain how many I watch. Um, no, totally me too. I don't watch TV at all. That's the whole thing. Yeah, like, I same. don't even watch TV. But my wife, well, it was my friend, and then my wife got me sucked in. And I, <laughs> I watched it. Well, so, speak- I hope I answered that guy's question. By the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you
0: did, um, I, Steven, if, if 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 you if if that wasn't good enough, I don't know what is, man. You're gonna have to. Please don't,
1: please don't DM me like 400 pages. D, like DM me like one question. I'm very happy to answer, them. and if you're cool, then I'll talk to you.
0: One thing that that made me think of while you were talking about um, Hollywood and uh, their treatment at Yellowstone. Um, so one of my, I'm I'm sure you're aware of like the the uh, recent resurgence of like the american western i think it's being branded as like uh western noir or noir western um the christian bale uh i think no country for old men was probably one of the early ones uh and then you've got uh i forget what it was called it was
1: the christian bale hostels movie. yeah hostels, hostels. Um, I fell asleep, but yeah. yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. So I I don't want to ask. I I figure the answer is probably the same for across anything Hollywood does. That's why I don't usually ask questions about like how how accurate things were. But as far as like your favorite movie uh, about the American West, we know it's not Dancing with the Wolves already. (laughs) I hate that show. What's
1: one that you'd recommend? Uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Ooh, I haven't seen that. I am actually, that, that would does, be my go-to. And
0: I'm Googling it right now. Did I see that? No, I did not. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch that before Yellowstone.
1: So it's that. And then uh, Angel and a Badman would probably be my two. That would probably be my two go-tos. Because the whole thing about the West and, and of course, you know, I guess I'm biased because I have a new, like I'm working on a book about this, but um, Yeah. It's principles in the American dream were born on the frontier, you know, and sometimes that frontier was Ohio and then Texas and all that. But, but then when it really came to be it was out here, you know, and so the, the stories that show that this is where I, I hate when people say like, uh, you know, obviously, okay. Obviously uh, John Wayne was not John Wayne. He was like Miriam something from Connecticut or, whatever i don't care it doesn't matter it's like the davy crockett thing i don't care like the mythos is the part that's important like culturally important so i don't care um but they'll point to like clint eastwood and say well clint eastwood's movies are better okay well i guess they're better movies but like that's not the point man it's like the principles conveyed by john ford who was a world war ii veteran an actual world war ii veteran um and uh you know, John Wayne through some of those Westerns were actually important. Like they really, and it wasn't like, they didn't come up with them on their own. It was, they were like, that was like, if you read these journals of these guys, those were like that. What Those were the ideals, you know? And okay. Maybe it looked pie in the sky to people that weren't here, but that is like the way people thought. And like, I don't know. That was more reflective of my grandfather's worldview than anything, you know, uh, I've ever seen out of, you know, anything in, anywhere else. Right. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because he was like some John Wayne fan. It was Like that's the way he saw the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really want to understand the West, I would say the important part is understanding like the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know, the weight that's put on character, you know? Um, and so yeah. I do think that, like, John Wayne is a good place to go. We, we talked
0: about this on Friday. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, too, because I, I think this came, like, after we stopped <laughs> on Zoom. But, like, you you've nodded to it here about... Um, the, the the idea american ideals weren't born in new england uh they were born on the frontier and I, i'd love to i'd love to get you to talk a little bit more about that and like uh what what that means in in today's society and with like some of the challenges we see today and then like what how, how do you reconcile those two
1: yeah so that's a new book right but um oh damn that's like, my, you, that's like, my last you, question <laughs> Oh, that is your last one? Yeah, no, it's all good. Do it now. It's good. If you think about, uh, if if you ask someone, like, say you're on the street or whatever, and you just run into someone, like, from what I can tell, um, if you ask someone, like, describe what Americanism is, you know, short of someone who is, like, an obvious political actor, but just, like, an average average person it, it like it wouldn't even matter if it's a tech person or you know the the garbage man actually you get a better answer to the garbage man but um Agreed. if you if you ask any of these people they're going to point to things like uh you know perseverance and uh you know sort of uh you know the self madeness you know like the rugged individualism and all this stuff that did not happen in new England. It never happened in New England. Like some people will even say like that what it is to be an American is knowing that you're never going to quit. This is why we make fun of French people. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though like, if you like historically, like, the, okay. Yeah. The French surrendered before Paris, but they fought very bravely in world war one, but we make, and I will make fun of them because I enjoy making fun of them, but they were not an unbrave. They were a brave people, you know? Yeah. Um, but so they will point to this we will never quit and all this stuff well i mean listen that wasn't born at valley forge because like they all every you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody at valley valley forge that didn't want to quit right like Mm -hmm. that's not where that came from that came from like being out here um you know, uh, homesteading, you know, and pioneerism and all of that. That's where that came from. It was not in a war or something. It was, you know, uh, like taking your country. Like some of these stories I'll read in these journals are just like incredible, you know, just like mind-blowing. But it was like trying to build this thing. Uh, it, and, you know, of course, yes, yeah, seeking fortune. But back then, fortune meant like, a decent living, you know. Like now, when you hear fortune, people think like, "How am I going to be the next, you know, uh, Bitcoin millionaire or something?" <laughs> like I feel like, attacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did, but that part's kind of cool. But, but I mean, like, really, like it was just like being able to do your own thing, you know. And that that whole idea of freedom really happened, like here, you know, was out here, like. Um, one journal uh, entry I read was this girl from Sweden um, and her family was super poor, uh, but her, her dad converted to Mormonism and anyway, her mom eventually converted or whatever. And then they didn't have money to get there, get here themselves, but they wanted to like come out West and like start a life with these, you know, these Mormons out West. And, so they saved up their money and then they couldn't afford to like come as a family so they sent her and her brother her little brother and her she was like eight and her brother was like 13 and they you know so they basically they put their life savings into just their children they knew they would never see it but it was just the idea of hopefully their kids would build out a better life. Right. So they sent them over and they were going to, and of course, Mormons had a good network. So they were going to be like, at least mostly safe, but they started cross the freaking ocean, you know, mm. and they get over Well, her brother dies on the trip, gets sick. Like however many other people, like lots and lots of other people crossing the ocean. So he dies. And then she ends up in St. Louis and she's just this little eight year old eight-year-old girl with only the money her family sent her with. So like almost nothing. Right. and, But thankfully, she's in like this Mormon network where at least she's not, you know, in some situation where she's going to get like, you know, she's she's sort of taken care of. She's not going to get raped and sold in slavery, you know, Mm -hmm. put it like that. So she's sort of cared for, but she's having to work for everything. You know, so she has this tiny little bit of savings, but she gets a job with this family in St. Louis, this Mormon family, and they're hiring her to help her and, and, you know, hiring in quotes, like they're, you know, using her to help their family get their uh, run to Utah put together. And she works for them for two years and saves up her money. And then she finally has enough money and pays this other family to take her all the way to Utah. And then she comes to Utah as like just a 12 year old girl and then goes to work and ends up like, you know, a matrix of this, you know, family that did very well out in Utah. And it was just like this tiny little kid, you know, fought all of that and then ends up out in, you know, in uh, the Great Basin-ish area, you know, like that's what the American spirit is. Mm -hmm. But if you think about the amount of risk and fear and, Um, hardship and struggle and all that that goes into that well our culture we don't just our modern culture we don't just uh not support that we actively like try to like we work hard to keep that away from people Mm -hmm. you know like we try to nerf everything and i know this was like a, a, a line in the 80s or 90s and stuff with comedians but it's true like we try to soften everything you know um like we act like some little kid whether it's a girl or a, or a boy um uh performing better than their peers in sports is like this magical thing yeah. So well i mean dude these kids were doing incredible like that girl walked from st louis to utah she didn't have shoes she just walked across the whole. and dude i mean i'm just crazy i know, crazy, I know, know grown-ass men who wouldn't be able to do that today <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Put it like this. I don't know a grown-ass man that would be okay. Yeah, exactly.
0: When I said that, I was like, no, yeah. oh, that sounds like I'm implying I could do that. No, I
1: could not <laughs> <laughs> um, for real. But but that was what Americanism was, right? Yeah. And we're we've not only have we lost sight of that, but like we've lost the respect for it, mm-hmm. which is more important. Like, yeah, we've, you know, it, it like when cultures become wealthy they're going to lose, like, sight of where they came from, but if they lose respect for the people that were there before, like, that, of their descendants, then, then they become decadent, you know, like, when Chief Joseph, are are um, you,
0: are you alluding to, what is it, that historian, he wrote a book, From Dawn to Decadence, I think, about how decadence is, like, uh the tail end of a civilization and it's a byproduct of becoming wealthy.
1: I, what you just said reminded me of that? Sorry uh, No, I'm not but you know one of the many hours and hours con- conversations that I have with Lafayette Lee, he's probably read that okay. <laughs> you know so maybe that's worse. But, um, but yeah man it's it's uh we we're at this place where, um, when chief, let me put it like this. When chief Joseph was, uh, I think his name was, well, his name was general Howard, but I think it was Charles Howard. One arm, they called him the one arm general, the one arm Christian general, the Nez Perce call, called him when he was like trying to help the net. Whoa. Well, in his mind, help the Nez Perce, like avoid, uh, sort of the fate of the crow and the Comanche and some of the um, They were going back and forth, and they were in the Wallowa Valley, right? And Chief Joseph said, a man that would leave his father's graves, like, no better than an animal, you know? He just kept saying that over and over and over again. They were just sort of talking past each other on this. So -hmm. he was trying to put them on, like, a reservation, of course, you know? And it it was supposed to be a big, strong reservation didn't end up that way but anyway he kept saying that and now the older i get the more i understand like chief joseph's perspective you know because if you if you don't understand the or you don't uh well if you don't understand the culture that you were born of and then you don't revere the people who made it like what do you have what do you have Mm -hmm. left like i guess you can go to mars what the hell is that like Mm -hmm. that's just like trying to build some new thing like like that's great i i hope we can do that but what does that say about like that doesn't do anything to preserve like like i don't know man like all these people who fought and died to give us this they still matter like even if they won't like and if you don't think they do then, boy, you're playing with fire. I really think so. Um, yeah, Because they probably knew stuff that we don't understand. And and that's the whole thing. Is like <clears throat> loving the grave of your father is uh, like understanding there's stuff that you don't understand, you know, or respecting that there's stuff that you don't understand. And then maybe one day when you're 80, you will, you know, it's like that. It's like, I don't know. As I age, I feel more and more like, you know, this like return to dr- tradition in this sort of way is like, more important than I ever thought before. So
0: no, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, and I, I see it with like, within even like the uh, immigrant culture that I come from. So like my mom, my mom, yes. came, my mom came here from Ocean, Mexico. Uh, <laughs> and like, the thing is, is like, she came here in a period of time when Ocean, Mexico was in a period of martial law. So she couldn't go back. Uh, So we had an authoritarian government in there. And um, so she was like, I think, uh, two years through school or whatnot, uh, college and everything, and she got accepted to a university and they were like, okay, uh, we'll, we'll let you in to an American university. But you have to start college all over again. Um, we won't acknowledge the work you did before. And now you, you take that to a kid uh, these yeah, days and say that yeah. they'd, they'd be up like throwing up flyers. My mom, my mom was just straight up like that. I usually keep personal stuff off the Internet, but this is a fitting analogy. My mom was just like, what do I need to do to get to where I need to be? Let me do it and check the boxes along the way. Um, and like, you see that with, a, with a lot of folks, uh, coming over, like I've got tons of friends from Latin America and Brazil here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And like, like they're, they're all either, uh, children of immigrants, immigrants themselves or whatnot. And like, when you see folks throwing around like Latin X and stuff like that, like one of my dad, one of my buddies, uh, dads was just like, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that, that was yeah. all he had to say about that. <laughs>
1: yeah no it's so true and that's we should talk about this one time too but um that's the same thing like growing up around the great basin stuff the the immigrants you know mexican immigrants mostly around there same thing like they have more of that pioneer spirit than almost any other you know american you ever be around it's because they're they're looking for that frontier right that frontier and that's why i think what your mom's probably like she's looking at it like okay yeah whatever i gotta do a whole bunch of annoying stuff that i shouldn't have to do but whatever the payoff's going to be worth it you know and it's like a small sacrifice
0: yeah yeah, yeah
1: exactly. like it the average kid can't even handle a small sacrifice in america no you know
0: yeah i i, I see it in lots of lots of various avenues that we talk
1: about <laughs> yeah no like most that's the thing is so annoying is like most immigrants are better americans than like the the American, Like, by, like, if you if you had to ask me, I'd, like, let's say I was trying to hire to do, like, ranch work or whatever, like, if the choice was between some immigrant kid from, I don't know, like, Boise or something, or, excuse me, some average kid from, like, Boise or something, or some immigrant kid from Mexico or, you know, Nicaragua or whatever, I'm going to take that kid every time. Mm-hmm. Like, if I really have to make, I'm going to take that kid every time. Yeah. Every single time.
0: Uh, I, 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 I see that in other areas too, man. Like it's, it's wild. And like, it, it, one thing I've noticed too, is like, as, and I've seen it with like friends who are like same generation, son sons or daughters of immigrants too, that I grew up with, like they get sucked into um, this complacency that a lot of like uh, Americans are in these days. And um Mm -hmm. It, it it's crazy that we have it so good in this country. Like you talked, you alluded to this with the Whole Foods thing, trying to get rid of food. Uh, like we are the only country in the world that has it so good. We're trying to a give away rights, the Second Amendment being chief among them, uh, and we're also trying to get rid of the productivity of like one of our core industries that made us great, and like. If you remember back to uh, the Batman movie, uh, Bane, he has that line where he goes, oh, victory has defeated you. That's how I feel (laughs) Mm. about us culturally. Like, we've been defeated by victory.
1: (laughs) That's a good line. Yeah, I've never watched that, but that's a great line.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's sad, but, like, the the embers are still there in certain pockets. You just kind of got to look for it. And, like, go
1: ahead. No, man. And you're right. And the thing is, we're going to have to like kick a whole bunch of kindling on those Mm -hmm. because if we don't, then we're going to be in big trouble. And I'm not like a doomer, so I'm not like going down that route. But if we don't, like, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And like, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're gosh darn lucky that there is Amber still. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and there
1: is. And I believe that. So I agree.
0: All right. Uh, Question eight. If they, this one, this one's getting a little more lighthearted. So, uh, trip Mitchell five wants to know if they made a movie about Braxton, who would he want to play him? And why is it Denzel Washington?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I think Denzel would be great. Like that guy's pretty cool. Um, and
0: on fire and training day. I watch those two movies like every year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, okay. Um, I don't think anybody should be making movies, about like a, Broke down cowboy in uh, Idaho, but
0: I want to see it. I want to see the movie. Blast Fast. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Denzel would be cool. Yeah, I'm All done right. with that. No, really, really. Who who would you pick? Who would you pick? Um, uh, Eddie McClintock because he's my buddy. <laughs> but I don't know. How that uh, Eddie, Eddie would be Eddie would be cool. Um, where? Uh, Oh, okay. I recognize him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. Actually, you know what? As I age, Eddie or I would Kevin Costner wouldn't bother me. Yeah. All that much. Um, I Kevin Costner.
0: Kevin Costner would be my pick. Aside from some obvious uh, problems with that cast. <laughs>
1: Well, he, yeah, no, he's he's he seems like a pretty cool guy, and he actually rides a horse okay. Um, because that would bother me, you know, like if I had to watch him, like he, like, I'm not saying he's great, but he's he actually rides pretty good. So that'd be a Robert Duvall, I love that guy, yeah, and he rides okay too.
0: All right, cool. Now we're getting to my life. Usually how this works is I try to give Twitter a voice to be able to ask their own questions. Sometimes you get serious questions. Sometimes you get uh, playful questions, but now we're getting into my end. Uh, So this one's for me um so what I'd, I'd love to learn more about like what projects you're currently working on actually let me take a step back I'd, I'd actually love to hear more like for so I've got a bunch of I've got followers on YouTube who aren't on Twitter and the, I got followers on Twitter who are on YouTube also so for, for, for mm-hmm. the folks who only know me from YouTube like they they probably don't haven't seen me talking about your book or putting it out there on Twitter so why don't you like give like a, I'm going to add a description edit in the description but why, why don't you like give like a Too long, too too long didn't say uh, uh, overview of the glass factory. And then um, I'd also love to hear about like what projects you're working on in 2021 and what what we could expect coming down the pipeline. Uh,
1: The glass factory is a book it's not a war book that's the thing i hate when people think it's a war book it's not it's not a war book there's not a lot about war in that book i don't think um i mean there's a little bit but it's it's not a war book uh it's a book about um like finding yourself and finding yourself through struggle and uh you know like making it through chaos and brokenness and like in, in some sense, doing the prodigal son thing, like getting back to what you were before, even though you never thought you'd ever get there again, you know? So it's like that. Yeah. I would say it's, it's a journey from the underworld back to whatever means something to you and, or, uh, is important to you, you know, like getting back to that life, you know, and the guy before was talking about principles. And I think like, that's the journey, right? It's like trying to get back to living a principled life, which I fell out all the time but that is the goal, you know, is to live a principled life. So it's that it's that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, sort of burrowing, burrowing out of uh, brokenness into something new, you know, and not in like a lame, you know, butterfly sense, like not crawling into a cocoon and somehow like just processes make you something better. It's not like that, man. It's like, you know you burrow into that hole and then guess what your ass has to like crawl out of it like that's how it works. like no one's gonna rescue you because you're in a hole and you lay around and like say the right words you know yeah and i say like that's kind of the glass factors
0: and it's tied back to like what we were talking about earlier about like americanism like i think that path of redemption as well as Being able to have the freedom, not just to take risks, but the freedom to fail as well and pick yourself back up and try again. Like, I think that's also like we were talking about, like what Americanism is. I think everything in your book and everything that you just talked about, that's all tantamount to like what being an American is as well.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I'll take that. I think that's true. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I so do, modest. I, I so modest. Like, no, I mean, I I don't know. Like this is one place where I'm willing to be um you know um not humble. I, I do think that that, that is the, the you know the American spirit, you know, shining through is I I think it's only that belief it it's only the belief in that um in some sense that pulled me through it, you know. Um and I think other people could stand to do better based on you know through that through that would be a better way to say it um so far as 21 2021 projects a bunch of people have been hitting me up about when i say a bunch 10 15 maybe it's even 20 now
0: that's a bunch uh, that's a bunch
1: about uh whether it's dms or even on actually on the teal uh about trying to do a uh sort of a uh I don't know, like, a, a, a working on a ranch experience. I'm not interested in playing this like dude ranch game. I hate that stuff. Yeah. I like, think it's dumb, but, it, um, I have been in talks with some people and the idea, like, I've, I've seen this enough times that I thought maybe I'll talk to some people, but the idea of like trying to help, people in such a way that was like come out and do some hard work and learn some skills that might feel cool to them or whatever and leave with something like valuable when they go home so we're uh yeah we are working on that that's like a total real thing that we're That's awesome. Yeah, so we're working in that direction right now. And then of course I have a book that I hope comes out in 2021 but you know books are crucial and um, is what it is. I hope it comes out in 2021. I kept telling people I was hoping it would be out in June. There's no freaking way in hell that's <laughs> coming out. But um, I do hope it comes out in this this year, you know, because I don't want it to suck, right? Like, what's a?
0: It, can you talk about like what your next book's going to be about? All right, yeah. This keep- book
1: is all. No, yeah. It's actually it's about like everything we talked about. Um, like American culture and where Americana, the idea of Americana, really came from um and like what like i guess it's it's what it is to be an american you know like the dime store novels right like they didn't sell in payson utah you know they sold in new york city yeah right? so it's like the idea that the west was just there was what helped shape this place you know or what helped shape this place and so i'd like to kind of do that again like remind people that like it's still there if, it's still there. Like whether you, you know, believe it or not, it's still there. So is this,
0: is this going to be fiction, nonfiction?
1: Yeah, it'll all be nonfiction. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great. yeah I-, I do have a fiction project I've been working on. I sent to my friends like Lafayette Lee and, you know, I'm sure he's tired of me sending him, you know, novella ideas, but yeah, I, I am working on one day. I am getting to write a fiction book, but right That's now awesome. it's still nonfiction because I'm too stupid to write a good fiction book. So I just keep, plugging away on this nonfiction thing
0: but we're, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one <laughs> any, any, any anything anything you put out that um you me myself and your legion of uh legion of feds will uh, uh, be standing there right behind you man um no, no, I'm I'm really excited to see like I I after talking with you at length over the weekend, like I'm I'm really excited for what this is gonna mean, what this year is gonna be for you, man. Like you got a lot of you. you're making all the all the right decisions, all the right moves. And uh any 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 way me or, or the uh gun reddit can help. We are- <laughs> <laughs> uh, same, same offer same offer i made to uh demp in the uh, great possum wars with uh terry <laughs> we we yeah. pledge our the trap house pledges the banner <laughs>
1: <laughs> did, did he win that or where were we at on that?
0: I don't know. I, I it kind of I kind of came to it late. Um and then I uploaded some thermal footage of me murking a possum and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, my last question is about Glass Factory. So is there an uh, uh this is kind of embarrassing for me, but uh is is by chance is there an audiobook version coming out? Cause um I can't read or write.
1: Yeah okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay Mister makes like anyway, uh actually yes we've been working on we've had a lot of people ask and I've been trying to figure that out um we we are working but the pro honestly I'll be square with you it's like trying to get sound quality to where it's not terrible Mm -hmm. um because like doing a podcast is one thing but like if it's an audiobook, that's, you're asking somebody to sit there for eight hours. I like get I just don't want the quality to be bad. Mm-hmm. So it costs a little bit of money to get stuff squared away. Um, yeah. We were going to hire somebody to read it. And then, that you know, people were, people were like DM and like, don't do that. Yeah. Oh, don't do that. I you
0: was going to say um, it, it needs to be read by you. <laughs>
1: so unfortunately, because I'm a, uh, dummy horse trainer then i'm gonna have to build that in my basement i'm actually been working on building that in my basement so but it, but as you build it, it's like sound tiles and you like it it takes some work and i've got a friend drew who's coming up to try to help me get the audio right and um, or well actually when he's <laughs> up he's gonna help me yeah that's right yeah but but you can't just like stick them sporadically like kind of has to be a thing yeah you know? it's, a, it's so. like a science of like
0: how how sound moves and uh bounces off of things it, it's outside of my wheelhouse I, I literally just have them laying in front of my laptop because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I am I am talking into a window right now and so it, like cut, the reverb hits me back no nah, dude that's that's awesome yeah. um,
1: so we are gonna do it but I just don't want to be crappy you mm-hmm. know um uh, yeah, Like, it doesn't need to be perfect, but it, it needs to not suck. So we are working on it, and um, Drew is supposed to be coming up because there's, like, a documentary project. And uh, so he's supposed to be up at the end of this month, and then hopefully we will be dialed in. And once we're at that stage, then we'll just be reading it, and hopefully it will go. And so, yes, you're that's going to happen. Like, that's a thing that's going to happen, and people can do that. So, Hell yes.
0: yeah. I've got uh, – I've got – 12 audible credits in my account right now. I'm like. Yeah, I so I usually read read or listen to between like three or four books a month. And um because I'm not driving as much, uh that, that number's gone down. <laughs> just keeps hitting your credit card. Yeah, so I'm just stacking <laughs> credits. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I will I will gladly get all, awesome. all of the Braxton uh audible releases. No, that's awesome, man. I'm, that's that's a awesome. huge milestone too. Like not yeah. just having a book out, but also like uh, having the audio version because like i know a lot of folks in my world like we we listen to books more than we read them um largely because like commute we can do all our work i i actually i don't listen to music when i'm at
1: the gym i i listen to books uh, <laughs> i do that when i work out too oh, okay cool yeah. cool yeah well i mean i listen to like coloring books but i do listen to <laughs> I don't want to give anybody like the wrong impression here. You know, it's like uh follow the one to the two and then to the three, and then, you know, <laughs> at the end you have an elk.
0: Cool, you made the elk. you know. Oh, I, I just made it through the Bernstein Bears, man. Have you have you <laughs> if, if you haven't, you should check it out. <laughs>
1: Bro, I gotta I gotta oh, I wish I had it right here. Oh yeah, okay. When I get my studio done, I have a Teddy Ruxpin. Oh you know yeah. When we were kids, I'm gonna put that behind. Yeah, okay. This, this, thing's a, this thing's a dangerous.
0: I remember those being hard, like the, the where you yeah. insert the tape. I remember banging my head on that thing a bunch of times. Yeah. As a kid.
1: <laughs> so when my show comes out, I'm going to have my Teddy Ruxpin and a bunch of coloring books. You, all these nerds put all their books behind them, how smart they are and shit. I'm going to have fuck, Teddy Ruxpin and coloring books behind me. And they're like a rope.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've got my bookshelf there. I've got a, a Cactus Jack action figure. Oh, I uh, saw
1: that. I had, uh,
0: I had lunch with that guy one time, by the way. Oh, really?
1: Two times, but...
0: How how, how did your path cross with Mick Foley? That, that's uh, got to be a story.
1: Well, it was... Uh, well, I got wounded, and uh, he's actually a, a really... At least was, I think he probably still is a really big supporter of that. He spent a lot of time with Walter Reed. He was a super nice oh. guy. He would come and hang out and yeah, that was how. And we That's went and awesome. had lunch, and he's a cool guy, man. He's a yeah. super nice guy. I was there, like, I was into wrestling when I was like, a kid, you know, that yeah, kind safe. of wrestling. Safe. Um Then I got out of it, but I didn't even really know who he was. But he was, anyway, a super nice guy. Very, very nice guy. Very, cool. very nice guy. That's
0: cool. So no
1: matter how much dumb shit he says on Twitter, give him a break because he's a nice guy. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. He's a nice um, guy.
0: Hey, I, I used to live out by Walter Reed. That's crazy. Uh, that, that, that's awesome, man. I, I'm glad to hear Mick Foley. Mick Foley was one of my heroes growing up. I, I read his book, too, uh, or his first one, rather, um, when I was in middle school. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, that's, uh, th- those are all, those are all the questions. And that's, uh, that, that is a wrap for the latest episode of Trap House. Then so Braxton, where, uh, I'm going to put links to your book, uh, your Twitter and anything else, uh, in the description, but go, let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Where, where can people find you?
1: You know, what actually would actually be cool is if, uh, people on this would su- subscribe to my YouTube because yeah. we're about to start building that. We, we, we're working on the back end, and there's going to be like real stuff come out on youtube so please subscribe to my youtube which i think is just braxton mccoy i don't think it's too hard to find um and i I guess you can follow me on twitter but um mostly youtube be really awesome and of course if you buy you know if you buy the last factory that'd be cool um then we'd know each other a little better you know whenever you get on the youtube because we we have some cool stuff coming out and then that's a promise
0: awesome yeah so uh i've got for for folks who don't want to switch over yet i have got a link to braxton's youtube twitter and amazon our uh, book that you can purchase on amazon so just expand that description click and subscribe that's uh let's get this key, let's get this king on joe rogan's podcast
1: <laughs> yeah that'd be something thank you all very much All right, all right brother thanks care, for coming
0: sir. on let me thanks hit. bro let me hit stop